So this, this truth that I'm sharing with you today, I've been living. And uh, this sounds almost too simplistic, but this is Cindy. I, I feel like this is a, just a beautiful tool. And it's so simple. But another simple, beautiful tool to receive everything that Jesus has already paid for. He's, his work is done, completed once and for all, and he's never going to do it again. He doesn't need to do it again. Our part is to receive it. And for me, again, this is Cindy sharing you, with you my journey. But for me, this was such a beautiful tool that I have used and implemented throughout my healing journey. I've journaled. You'll, you'll hear. I share a lot of my little journal entries because this what God has been speaking to me during this season. And I've got several of them to share with you today all about shalom versus chaos. Shalom, peace versus chaos. So I'm going to start with an amazing word from God. This is 1 Corinthians 14, 33. The scripture says that God is not the author of confusion, but of peace. Whenever you see but in the middle of a scripture, everything changes. He's not the author of confusion. There's no confusion in God. God is a God of order. He is not a God of confusion. The enemy is the God of confusion, the little g God of confusion and chaos. But God is a God of peace. I believe that peace is the antidote for chaos. And chaos, oh my gosh, the enemy loves to stir up chaos in so many different ways. It might be in your physical body. That's what I'm going to share with you in a minute. Because cancer is chaos. Cancer is chaotic growth of cells. Ca cancer is confusion in your body. That's what cancer is. So that's specifically how he spoke to me. But, can't, but chaos can be so much. Kent and I were driving here tonight and praying this word over us because we got a lot of stuff going on. But that doesn't mean we have to be in chaos just because we're busy. The month of May in our lives has been extremely bit packed, packed full. But that doesn't mean that we have to live in confusion during busyness. And we point blank say no. And if we feel that rising up, that's a time to do exactly what Lisa has been saying. Be still and know that I am God. And that can take, like that song, 30 seconds to just still your heart down and put you in a different frame of mind. So God is not the author of confusion, but of peace. I want to go to that, the second word in the title, which is chaos, because this is the word God has spoken to me over the last months. Chaos. Let me define it. Chaos is a state of utter confusion or disorder. It is a total lack of organization or order. So the definition of chaos is confusion. That's not my God. God's not the author of confusion or chaos. But then as I was, as I was God was un, unveiling and revealing, kind of like a rose, one petal at a time, showing me more and more about this, I discovered another meaning of the word chaos that I didn't know existed. Listen to this. This is from dictionary.com. Chaos is the infinity of space or formless matter supposed 
to have preceded the existence of the world before creation. Let me say that again. Another definition of chaos is the infinity of space or formless matter supposed to have preceded the existence of the ordered universe. Before creation, there was chaos. That is dictionary.com's definition. But it's also the Bible's. Let me read you Genesis chapter 1, verses um, 1 through 3. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Verse 2. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was on the face of the deep. That was chaos. Do you remember Life Bible Institute? Do you remember when our pastors taught this? Verse 2 was chaos. Before creation, before this universe, this beautiful creation that we live in, that we see, that we are blessed to be a part of, before creation there was chaos. Just like dictionary.com says, there was chaos. We don't know the extent of uh, the infinity of time before. We don't know that. But what we do know is there was chaos. But look at what Jesus, what, look at what happened. The Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. The Spirit of God was watching and waiting. And God spoke. He said, let there be light. And there was light. That is when things started to shift. Then creation happened, the creation story. One thing after another, after another, after another. God spoke. The Holy Spirit heard those words, and they came to pass. Creation happened, and the, the chaos was ordered. And we see what we see now. And then, then God started speaking to me. So this was in the month of October. The date I have on this is October the 13th of this past year. And, I, and I'm just going to read to you what God was speaking to me. So this morning, October the 13th, I was in Chicago. I was in at the Healing Center. It was my first visit there. And God had I'd just been hearing this word chaos, chaos, chaos. And that morning in prayer, I was meditating on this scripture in Genesis. There's another scripture in Hebrews 11.3 where it says that the worlds were framed by the spoken word of God. So before the worlds were framed, the universe was formless. It was void. There was chaos. But then God spoke, and that chaos began to be ordered. Now think about confusion or disorder, and think about what God did. He spoke, light be and light was. He separated the light from the dark, the day from the night, the water in the air from the water in the sea. He separated the land from the sea. And in the midst of all of that ordering, he created what we see today. He created this amazing earth that we have. So I was seeing that. I was, I was, I was getting deeper revelation of that. And then I started to think about, okay, that's what God did in creation. Now, and, but he had been speaking to me about chaos in my body. So that's what he'd been speaking about cancer. 
and chaos because that's what cancer is, and I already said that. It's a chaotic growth of cells. It's cells that are out of order, cells that are confused. And just as God changed chaos to order in creation, well, he does the same today. So I'm thinking about this and meditating on it. I was talking to my father about it, and he stopped, and he spoke to me, and this is what he said. He said, Cindy, today it's you who speak order out of chaos. He's done everything he's going to do. And he spoke to me, he said, Cindy, today it's you who speak that order into chaos. Do what I did. What did he do? He spoke. He said, light be and light was. I'm made in his image. You're made in his image. So I started to speak. I started to speak to the chaos. And I started to speak just like he spoke. I started to say, light be. And I would envision my body light coming in and displacing the darkness of chaos. I started speaking directly to the chaos and say, saying, chaos, be ordered. Come into order. Cells in my body, come into order. Chaotic cell growth, be dissolved, be disintegrated. And just as God separated the land from the sea and the day from the night, I spoke to my body and I said, cancer cells, be separated be divided, and be washed out of my body. I started to speak to the chaos in my body because that's what chaos is, and God says we can do that. 1 Corinthians 14, the same scripture I already read, 14.33 says, God's not the author of confusion. He's not the God of chaos, but he's the God of peace. So as I'm speaking to this chaos, speaking light, releasing light, I said, well, God... If you're not the author of confusion, but of peace, peace must be the opposite. Peace must be the antidote, because that's what Scripture says. He's not the author of confusion, but of peace. So I started to, to study what, what does that mean, and what, is, what does it do for me, God? Peace, shalom. So that's what I want to share with you now. First, I want to share with you the world's definition of peace that's only the partial truth, and I'm going to add on, because this is all true. The world's definition of peace is very true, but I want to add on the next piece of peace. <laughs> I said that totally weird. The next definition of peace that changes everything. So first, the world definition. Peace is tranquility and contentment. Peace is the absence of strife, the absence of dissension. Peace is a state of mutual harmony between people or groups, or people groups. Peace is the non-warring condition of a nation, or a group of nations, or the world. Peace is the cessation of, or the freedom from strife, or dissension. And peace is freedom in your mind, or your soul, from annoyance, or distraction, or busyness, or stress, or obsessions, or anything like that. That's all peace. But listen to this. God's true, big, awesome meaning of peace is more. Because God's peace is not just an absence of stuff like strife or stress or problems or war or any of those things in the first definition. It's not an absence of things. God's peace is the presence of a person. That's Jesus over the presence of darkness, that's chaos. 
the Prince of Peace over the Prince of Darkness. That's the biblical definition of peace. And as we were worshiping with the song Tremble, I just, and, and the, the worship leader did an amazing job of this. She said, we're not reaching for this light. We're not reaching for this peace. We don't have to try to get it because it resides in us. His peace is part of our inheritance. And that's what I want to share with you right now. Jesus is our peace. Jesus is our Prince of Peace. I'm going to read to you first a prophetic word about Jesus. This is from Isaiah chapter 9. This is a beautiful scripture that is often shared at Christmas time because it's about the child that is born to us, to his people. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulders. And his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Now, this could be a whole series of messages, but I want to just zero in right, out, right now on the last name that is this prophetic word about Jesus, the Christ child. He is our Prince of of peace. In the Hebrew, those words are the sar, S-A-R, of shalom. He is our sar of shalom. So that first word, sar, or prince, means that he's the leader, the chief, the overseer, the ruler. My favorite word is the king. He is our king, our ruler, our overseer of peace. And shalom, I've talked about shalom so many times. Shalom is such an immense word. It's not just tranquility and contentment. It is tranquility and contentment, but it's so much more. Peace of God is completeness, wholeness. The world that doesn't know Jesus is incomplete. No matter how hard they search or how hard they try or how extreme their life is lived, They'll never be complete without the Prince of Peace because shalom is what completes us. We, you probably heard the definition of being saved as having that God-sized hole in your heart filled. That's the peace of God, the shalom of God. Shalom is also um, sound, excuse me, soundness. Being sound in your spirit, your soul, and your body. Shalom means health, literally. It's part of the definition, the biblical definition of peace is health, physical health. It's also safety and welfare and prosperity. You might not like the prosperity message, but it's part of the Prince of Peace is prosperity, having all of your needs met. And the big overall overarching definition of shalom is nothing missing and nothing broken. That's shalom. And Jesus is our king of peace, the Tsar of shalom. Pastor Tom Beers, a few weeks ago, I was at Living Grace Church, and he did a message on shalom. And he showed me, and this was so fascinating, I wanted to share it with you. He showed me the Hebrew word picture for shalom. 
I put it on your handout. We weren't able to get it on the overhead because we were having a little problems figuring out how to do it. Even my techie husband was having a problem, and we didn't have time to figure it out. So we put it on your handout instead. So this word, shalom, for peace, has four Hebrew letters. And Hebrew word pictures are read from right to left. So when you look at the word picture on your sheet, the, the first letter with the three um, spikes is the first letter. It's shin. This letter depicts fire or teeth. And it means to consume or to destroy. The next letter is lamed. This letter is a picture of a staff. And its meaning is to shepherd, to control, or to have authority. The third letter is vav. This letter is a picture of a nail. And its meaning is to join, to bind together, or to make connection. And the fourth letter is mem. And this letter depicts water. Now, every Hebrew letter has both a positive and a negative connotation. And in this case, we're going to look at the negative connotation of water, which means um, to, um, I'm sorry, which means chaos, chaos, like the waves in a stormy sea or like a tsunami. The chaos of water in a stormy sea or like a tsunami. So when you put all four of those, those together, we see the powerful meaning of shalom, our Tsar of shalom. Our Tsar of shalom, our warring prince, came to consume and destroy the control and authority that bound us together with the prince of chaos and destruction. If you look at all four of those letters, that's what it spells out. Our warring prince, and if you look at the definitions of those, of those letters again, came, our Tsar of Shalom came to consume and destroy the control and authority that the enemy had over us, that bound us together with the, the prince of destruction, the prince of chaos. But Jesus defeated it. We've been redeemed we're no longer bound together with the prince of chaos. Jesus destroyed that. That's part of our redemption. Because the prince of peace delivered us from the prince of chaos. We're no longer under his dominion or under his power. We no longer have chaos as our control over us. The problem is most of us don't know it. Most people in the world don't know it. And when we do know who we are and our true identity, we can rise up in it simply by saying, thank you, God. Be still and know that I am God. He's in me. He's in you. His peace resides in us. So, so that was the prophetic word. Now what we're going to do is we're going to go back. We're going to go to the scripture in the New Testament where it was fulfilled. And Jesus told us all about it, even before he fulfilled it. The, the two scriptures I'm going to read first happen at the Last Supper. Jesus was in the upper room with his apostles the day before he died. The, the hours before he went to Gethsemane and was taken by the Roman soul, or actually by the high priest and, and the, the religious people 
into imprisonment and then later given over to the Romans to be crucified. The day before he died, he explicitly gave us his inheritance of peace. He spoke it very clearly. Now, we know that Jesus is our Messiah, and he came to redeem us from so much, but he explicitly gave us the inheritance of peace and told us about that. Actually, I want to read Isaiah 53, 5 first, and then I'm going to read John 14. I'm sorry, I forgot the scripture, but it's very important. Isaiah 53, another prophetic word about Jesus. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace, for our shalom, was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. The chastisement, the price for our peace, the price, the penalty, and it literally means the penalty paid for by whipping. For our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. So this prophetic word, so powerful. In the same scripture, it says that we are forgiven completely, and we have peace and we have healing. Peace and healing were purchased by his whipping. Our sins were, were completely remitted by the sacrifice of his blood and his death for us. He paid for our peace and our healing even before he paid for our sin. That's a prophetic word about our Lord Jesus and the fullness of our salvation. And now let's move ahead to the night before he died. That was prophesied 700 years before he was born. But the night before he died, Jesus gave us that inheritance. Many times people do that before they die. They tell their loved ones what is in their inheritance. Right? That's exactly what Jesus did. John 14, 27. Jesus spoke to you and I. And he said to you, he said to me, he said, peace, I leave you. My own peace I now give and bequeath unto you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Do not let your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. Stop allowing yourselves to be agitated and disturbed. And do not permit yourselves to be fearful and intimidated and cowardly and unsettled. I love the amplified version of this. Because what does it do? It shows me peace and chaos. Jesus gave us peace as inheritance. That word bequeath, that's, that means he's leaving it to us in his will. His peace, not the world's kind of peace. That partial definition. But the full package with him being our prince of peace. With him being the presence of peace over the presence of darkness. And look at all that other stuff. That's chaos, fear, intimidation, um, co being cowardly, being unsettled. That's confusion. That's chaos. So he says, here I am. I'm giving you peace. And then he says, don't let yourself be overcome by chaos and confusion. That's my interpretation. But that's those two parts of the scripture. He gave us everything we need to overcome. But it's up to us to not let it take over because we can let it take over. We have, we, can, we have choice. We have a soul. We can choose God's way or we can choose the world's way. That's why when, like I said, I already said this, 
Ken and I driving here, we're praying this prayer. God, we choose peace. We'll walk with peace, not with strife or stress or confusion or, you know, all the stuff that can happen when it seems like everything is pressing in, even good stuff. The next scripture, John 16, just two chapters later, Jesus is still in the upper room, and he says again, he says, I have told you all these things so that in me you will have perfect peace. In the world you'll have tribulation and trials and suffering, but be courageous, be confident, be undaunted, be filled with joy. Be filled with joy in the midst of the tribulations and the trials. Because Jesus said, I have overcome the world. My conquest is accomplished. My victory is abiding. There's an ED on accomplished. The war is won. Jesus was finishing it. It's done, finished. When he said, it is finished on that cross, it was finished. I love the next word, it's, or the next phrase. It says, my victory is abiding. The word abide means to dwell permanently. His victory abides permanently in us. And peace is victorious. Peace isn't just a good feeling. It is a good feeling in the midst of trials and tribulations. But it's so much more. It's victorious. My victory is abiding. And the third scripture I want to read to you about this amazing gift that's yours and it's mine is Philippians 4, 7. And I'm reading this from the Amplified Bible too. And the peace of God, that peace which reassures the heart, that peace which transcends all understanding, that peace which stands guard over your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus is yours. Amen. I think this is a beautiful scripture to take, to write out, and to, to feed on, to speak it out loud over yourself, over your life, over your situations on a daily basis, on a consistent basis. We need peace in our minds and our hearts. We need to guard our heart. We need to guard our minds because there's so much that can capture it, so much that can take it over. But peace is what God gives us, and his peace will stand guard over your heart and your mind. And this peace doesn't make sense. It transcends understanding. It is so God, it is so God to give us peace and soundness in the middle of tribulations and trials. It's all him, but it's his gift for us. It's his inheritance for us. And yes, we can walk through trials and not be burned. We can. Okay. Just want to peek ahead because there's something I was going to share, but I'm going to hold on for just a second. So the rest of the session, what I want to do is I want to share with you three keys, I believe, and there's, I'm sure there's more, but this is what God has shared with me at this point. Three keys to obtain this peace. It's already yours in the spiritual realm. But how do you draw upon it, obtain it through in a practical way? So the first thing I want to share with you 
is that it is a fruit of your salvation. But if you don't know it, you won't, you won't receive the benefits. You can have an inheritance. There's websites out there that literally are looking for people who have an inheritance who've never claimed it. That's a good thing to check. You should check your name. You don't know. There might be something waiting out there for you. But there are, if you don't, haven't claimed it, you don't enjoy the benefits of whatever that inheritance is. Same thing with the peace of God. So I'm going to share two biblical stories with you, two accounts where Jesus uses the same phrase. And I believe this isn't just for the two accounts in Scripture. I believe it's for us as well. So the basic phrase, the, the gist of the phrase, Jesus says, your faith has saved you. The word is so-so. Your faith has saved you. And then, right after that, he says, now go and enter into peace. Go enter into peace. So let me share these two stories with you. The first one is the account of the woman with the alabaster flask. And this is from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 7. But I'm not going to read it. I'm just going to kind of talk about it with you. So there was a woman. She was an especially wicked sinner. And Jesus was invited to the home of a Pharisee. And along with the Pharisee, the religious leader who invited Jesus to dinner, there were a bunch of other religious people. And Jesus said yes to that invitation. He went to that dinner. And while he was there, this woman, this very wicked sinner with the alabaster, alabaster flask of beautiful perfumed oil, went to that home. Now she humbled herself. This is my interpretation. She humbled herself to go into that home with the Pharisees. She didn't need to worry about Jesus. Jesus was compassionate and loving and accepting and inclusive. But those religious people weren't. And their first impression was to call her out as a sinner and to say, Jesus, why are you letting her do this? But she humbled herself. She went to Jesus with all of that sin, all of that yuck in her soul, in her heart, in her mind. She went to Jesus in a position, in a heart position of true repentance. And she cried at his feet. She literally was weeping at his feet. She, and, her, and she anointed his feet with oil and her tears were just wetting his feet. She used her hair to wipe his tears. In the Passion Translation, the title of this account says, Extraordinary Worship. She was just worshiping at the feet of Jesus. She had to have known that he was someone very, very special. Maybe her heart was drawn to him and his love. Maybe she knew in her heart that he was the Messiah that they'd been waiting for. Maybe she didn't. We don't know. But we do know that she went with true repentance. This is a beautiful picture of what repentance is. Many times in the religious world, in churches, repentance is almost guilt or condemnation or, or running, almost running away from God because of the wicked person or this junk or the yuck in your life. But that's not what repentance is. Repentance is this. Repentance is running to Jesus in a beautiful, heartfelt devotion to this amazing God who paid it all so that we could be free from sin. So that's what was going on. And in the midst of all this, this is the scripture I'm going to read. 
Jesus spoke to that woman. And he said, your sins are forgiven. Then those who were at the table with him began to say among themselves, who is this who even forgives sin? But Jesus said to the woman, your faith has saved you. That word saved is the word so-and-so. That word saved means forgiven. All sin forgiven and remitted, washed clean. That's part of what that word means. And he said, your faith has saved you. And then he says, go, enter into peace. And then in the Amplified, it says what peace is, freedom. Freedom from all the distresses and that are experienced as a result of that sin. So all of that stuff that she was carrying, all of that guilt, all of that yuck, maybe a whole lot of history. We don't know the story, the whole story. But it could have been a lifelong thing of stuff that had happened in her life that brought her to that place. But she got, Jesus said, you're saved. And now you can enter into this place of freedom. Because all of it is gone. It's washed away. You are a free woman. You see, peace, this peace, this shalom, is freedom in your soul from the burdens of life, from the yuck of life. And in this case, from the sin, from your background, from all the stuff that you feel is chained onto you that you're carrying. Jesus says, oh, no, 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 no. You're free. That word um, go enter into peace. In most translations, it says go in peace. That's not a good translation. That word in, go in peace, means enter into. It means to go toward or to go among peace. It's a much bigger word than just in. It's immersed in this peace. And that's what Jesus was saying to the woman. He said, go, enter into this place. It's new. It's this, this position, this new identity. She's no longer that wicked sinner. That's not who she is anymore. And because of shalom, because of the peace of Jesus, she's a new woman. Come, enter, live this new life that I've gifted you. That's not just for her. That's for us. And the second story, a very similar story, but this is the case of a woman who is set free of a disease. It's a woman with the issue of blood. And in this um, scripture account, it's, uh, it's one chapter later, Luke chapter 8. You can go read it at home, but I just want to meditate on it with you for a minute. So in this case, there was the woman who had this disease, the, the bleeding in her body. We don't know what it is, but ladies, many of us have known people who have had you know, hemorrhaging or problems with their bodies where they bleed for, you know, years and months or whatever. But in that time, we know that any time that was happening, the woman was considered unclean. Just like the woman in wicked sin who was excluded and couldn't be a part of the, the chosen people, this woman was the same way, the woman with the issue of blood. She was also excluded. She was considered unclean in a different way. And her heart was to be clean. Her heart was to be healed. The same as many of us who are seeking healing. And 
she said, if only I can touch the hem of his garment, I know that I shall be healed. Just like the first woman, she must have known Jesus, the compassion of Jesus, the Jesus who healed all who were in need. She, we talked about this a few weeks ago. She probably or potentially knew that beautiful scripture in Malachi that says the son of righteousness is come or has come with healing in his wings. The word wings is the word for the corner of the prayer shawl. The Jewish men, the rabbis, wore the prayer shawl with the tassels. And those tassels were signs of the covenant of God that God had with his people. And that woman potentially knew that. And she said, I'm keeping my eyes on the promise. I'm keeping my eyes on the covenant promises of God. That healing is in his wings. And if I can only touch the wings, if I can only touch the corner of his prayer shawl, I know I will be healed. And when she did touch, she reached out, she took a step, she took action. And when she did, the virtue of Jesus went into her and she knew her body was healed. And then Jesus spoke to her. And he said to her, daughter, your faith, your confidence, and your trust in me has made you well. And those words, made you well, are so-so. Again, the same word, because that word so-so doesn't just mean forgiveness. It also means healing and wholeness. And she was made well. She was made whole in the whole aspect of her life, in her physical body, in her ability to be around people because now she's clean, in her finances, in every facet of her life, she was made whole. And he said for her the same thing, go Enter into peace, untroubled, undisturbed well-being. Peace is health. Shalom is health. Wholeness, soundness in spirit, soul, and body. That's not just for her. That's for us. So my first huge point in obtaining this peace is knowing this is an aspect of your salvation. Your faith has saved you, you too, me too. Our faith has saved us. But have we done this part? Have we said, Jesus, you say, go enter into peace. Freedom. Freedom from distresses of the soul. Freedom from depression. Freedom from anxiety. Freedom from oppression. Freedom from pressure, freedom from confusion in life, freedom from pain, freedom from disease, freedom from cancer, freedom from ALS, freedom from dementia, freedom from arthritis, freedom from whatever it is that you're believing God for. Enter in, be still, and know that I'm God. That's peace. That's resting in his finished work. Enter into his peace. I just speak it over you right now. Enter into his peace. Deliverance from confusion. Deliverance from chaos and whatever that looks like in your life. Enter into peace. You are the son and the daughter of God. 
enter into his shalom. You have been delivered from confusion. You've been delivered from chaos. You've been delivered from the prince of darkness. You've been delivered from the oppression of the enemy. Enter into that peace. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Oh, goodness. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Okay, I'm going to go to number two. You're going to have to skip a slide, Ken, I think. So the second piece, I believe, in obtaining your peace is to keep your mind stayed on him, to keep your mind stayed on God. I'm going to read two scriptures. The first one is Romans 8, verse 6. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Carnal-mindedness is keeping your mind on the world, the focus on the world and all the stuff that's going on in the world. But to be spiritually minded is to keep your eyes on God and his plan and his promises. Talked about this a few weeks ago. One has amazing life results, and that is keeping your eyes, your focus on God. But when you keep your focus on the world, you're going to get what the world gets and whatever it is that you're focused on. Here's the second scripture, Isaiah 26, verse 3. You will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you. You hear that? You will keep him or her in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts you. I believe that trust is a result of keeping your mind stayed on God. Peace and that peace, being in that place of peace, Trust, trust like blossoms in that place of peace. When you're, and the first step is keeping your mind stayed on God. Off of the world, off of the stuff of the world. We're living in the world, but we're not of the world. And when you keep your eyes, your focus on God and his promises, peace is the result. And trust blossoms. Those two women that we talk about, Remember a few weeks ago, a few, maybe two months ago, I talked about trust being a step beyond faith because trust is faith in action. That's what the woman with the alabaster flask did. She went in that religious home to anoint the feet of Jesus into worship. That was out of her comfort zone, I have to believe. But it was faith in action. The woman with the issue of blood, same thing. She was unclean. She could have been stoned to death for what she did. But she pressed through the crowd to get to Jesus. In my season of healing, when fear attacked me, I ran to my mother-in-law's study and put earbuds in my ears and played worship music. When fear was attacking me, when my body was in terrible pain. I ran to that study and I got out the word of God and read it out loud to be my medicine for my heart. When I woke up in the middle of the night and I couldn't go back to sleep, I went into that study. That study's really anointed now. I went into that study and I either put on music or I prayed or I read the word or I read scriptures. What was I doing? I was running away from the yuck and running to my God. I pray for you. I pray for you. That fear slingshots you into God's arms. That pain slingshots you into the place of 
peace. Because when you keep your mind stayed on God, peace results and trust blossoms. The next scripture is the same one, but out of the Amplified Bible. Listen to this. You will keep in perfect and constant peace. I love it. The one whose mind is steadfast, that is committed and focused on you in both inclination and character because he trusts and takes refuge in you with hope and confident expectation. Where's your place of refuge? Great place to go to for refuge is God. And now I do want to share another um, journal entry. And this was just the other day. This was on May the 6th. This was last week. I was meditating on Psalm 91 that day and the Psalm of Protection. And God brought something to my memory. It was the story of um, Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego. And what he reminded me of is that they made the choice to worship only God. There was a statue of Nebuchadnezzar, and they were ordered to worship that statue, to bow down to that big statue, that big golden statue. And they said, no, we will not bow down to anyone or anything except our God. And they chose death. Actually, they didn't die. But they chose to be in that fiery pit because they refused to worship that statue. And when they were put in that fire, they were thrown into the fire, they didn't get burned. In fact, they came out not even smelling like smoke. And while they were in that fire, there were three men that were thrown in, but they saw four. The people on the outside saw four. The fourth one was Jesus. This was before Jesus was even born as a man. Jesus was there with them. And like I said, I was meditating on Psalm 91, and all of a sudden, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came into my mind. So I was like, God, why? Why are you showing me this? And this is what I wrote. This is what I believe he was showing me. That's my story, too. I went through a fiery battle. Cancer, pain, COVID, being displaced, um, the cancer treatment. But I came out unharmed, healed, and without any residue or issues at all. Not even smelling like smoke. Praise you, Jesus. And... Jesus was walking with me through it all. He was, in the, he was with me in the fire. And then I said, God, what, is there anything else you want me to know? And this is what I, I wrote. This is what I felt like he was speaking to me. He said, I love you, my daughter, and I have called you by name, bringer of light, renowned warrior. I have been singing over you with joy as you walked through, through these um, last months. Single focus upon me and my promises, turning away from the world. You are truly in the world, but not of the world, and you trusted me well. And then, and then I went to write this message, and he had just spoken that to me. So, so the words that he spoke to me is that in the midst of the fire, I ran to him. In the midst of the fire, I... I Instead of going to the world, I went to him. He said, you are in the world, but you're not of the world. And he said, and you trusted me well. They go together. Keep your mind stayed on God, and there will be a peace that passes all understanding, 
and trust will blossom. Faith will blossom. Hope and confident expectation. That's faith. So that's number two. Keep your mind stayed on him. We can be in the world but not be of the world. Number three, release peace into that storm. Release peace into the chaos. So first we need to have it in it, in us. Be settled. Enter into that peace. Know that that peace is in you. Feed your heart. Guard your heart. And then you have a weapon. Because peace isn't just some great feeling. It's powerful. And we can release it and see victory. Let's look at how Jesus did this. I love to look at Jesus. Mark chapter 4, verses 35, and then 37 and 39 through 39. On that same day, when evening had come, Jesus said to his apostles, let us cross over to the other side. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves beat into the boat so that it was already filling. But he was in the stern, asleep on a pillow. And they awoke him, and they said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? Then he arose, he rebuked the wind, and he said to the sea, Peace. Be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. Do you notice that when Jesus took this action, it didn't just allow them to get through the storm. It literally overcame the storm. The storm stopped. The storm was stilled. The storm was silenced. And I see here Jesus did three things. First, he took a stand. He arose. We need to do that. We need to get up. Get off the couch. Stop being, you know, waiting for God to do a work he already did. And do our part. Take a stand. Stand up. Rebuke the wind. Rebuke the issue. Rebuke the confusion. Rebuke the chaos. Rebuke the cancer. Rebuke the pain. Rebuke the situation. And then you have, you have a weapon and it's peace. Peace, be still. Speak to that thing. Peace, be still. I release the peace of God. And listen to what the peace of God is. I release the presence of a person who's in me over that presence of darkness. When we sang that song, we said, Jesus, Jesus, you make the, the, the fear tremble. You destroy it. Jesus, Jesus, the Jesus in me, the presence of Jesus in me destroys the presence of darkness. But we need to release it. We need to believe it and release it. This is a, a quote that I heard at a conference a few years ago, and it stuck with me. When a Christian gets squeezed, peace should come out. Yeah. So when a Christian gets squeezed, peace should come out. This is another one of my journal um, entries. This is in November of last year. And I wrote, because I during that season, chaos and peace were two things that I was just meditating on and, and acting on, just like I'm just telling you right now. And this is what I wrote. Peace is the atmosphere for the miraculous. Jesus bequeathed me his peace. I now have the power to release 
the peace that's in me into chaos, and it must come in order. So I enter into that peace, and then peace displaces the chaos. I speak Jesus. That's one word I speak that just releases peace. I just say, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. I speak peace. Every tumor, every cancer cell, every part of my body invaded with chaos of cancer must be completely set free by the peace of God in me. That was my journal. And that's what I've been doing. I've been speaking and releasing peace specifically, very specifically, into my body. I know what, you know, what the doctor's reports were, so I speak and I release peace specifically into those places. And I often envision it as light because that's what Jesus did. He said, light be, and the chaos started to be ordered. So I speak, light be, peace, I release you into my body. I release you into my immune system. God, I thank you that the peace of God wakes up my immune system. The light of God, light be, and my immune system comes alive. The T cells in my immune system are, are multiplying and magnified and coming into my body, displacing chaos, displacing cancer, displacing darkness. I release peace into my bones. I release peace into my bone marrow to displace darkness, to displace chaos of cancer, to displace confusion. I speak order. Do you hear me, body? I'm speaking order into you. Come into order. No more cancer. No more cells that are out of order. Come into order. I speak peace. I release peace into my body. And I fully expect the storm to be silenced. Peace be still in Jesus' name. So I speak the peace of God over, very specifically, over my body. So whatever it is in your body that is out of order, release peace into it. Victorious peace, good overcoming evil, shalom overcoming chaos. I got two more scriptures, and these are yummy ones. The first one is Romans chapter 16, verse 20. Listen to this. And the God of peace will swiftly pound Satan to a pulp under your feet. I love it. And, and that's not all. And the wonderful favor of Lord Jesus will surround you. Amen. So we have this peace in us. But we have a voice, just like God said to me. He said, Cindy, now it's up to you to release peace into this chaos. But when we do, the God of peace, the Spirit of God, is hovering, waiting for us to release those words so the God of peace can crush Satan to a pulp under your feet, under my feet, in Jesus' name, and release his favor over your situation. That's where he meets your needs, shows you the direction to go, opens the doors, gives you the right direction. It might be financial favor. He's given us so much financial favor. It's unbelievable. The healing center where we have gone pays, we pay $15 a night for a hotel. They pay for all our food. They pay for our gas back and forth. If we choose to fly, they pay for our flight. I didn't ask for any of that. That's the favor of our Lord Jesus that surrounds us and is just 
moved with us through our healing journey. And what has God done? The God of peace has destroyed Satan to a pulp. Amen. Amen. And this next scripture, this is Philippians 1, verse 28. Mm, another amazing one. These are both scriptures to keep in front of you, to see how powerful this God of peace is. No way, in no way, be alarmed or intimidated in anything by your opponents. That's chaos. That's the enemy. That's the yuck in your life. Don't be intimidated or alarmed. For such constancy and fearlessness on your part, that's your peace, your constancy, and your fearlessness, guess what it is? It's a sign to the enemy of his impending destruction. It's a sign, a proof and a seal for them, the enemy and his cohorts, of their impending destruction. And that's not all. And it's also a clear sign for you of your deliverance and salvation, your redemption, your freedom from all that stuff, and that too from God. So this is Cindy's interpretation. When you walk in peace, when you're in the middle of a storm of life, and yet you say, storm, listen up. I have peace. So I'm releasing my peace. Storm, you're going to be still right now because I have the peace of God. You're nothing compared to my great big God, so be quiet, be still. When you do that, it is a sign to the enemy that he's a loser. He's already lost, and you're enforcing it. He's a loser. And it's also a sign that you are in the midst of the manifestation of your deliverance. You are in the midst, just like the woman with the alabaster flask and the woman with the issue of blood, that Jesus said, enter into peace and have freedom. Freedom from the soul issues, freedom from whatever's going on in your body, pain-free, disease-free, um, issue-free, whatever freedom you need, that's your deliverance. You're being freed. So your peace is a sign to the enemy of his impending doom and a sign to you of your man, the manifestation of what God has for you according to his promises in his word. That's good news. Amen. So I gave you the summary because these are awesome little nuggets. It's on your sheet. Peace is the presence of a person in you that destroys the presence of darkness or the chaos around you. Peace is the power to overcome the storm, not just get through it. Peace is more powerful than any storm, including COVID-19, including any disease, any issue known to mankind. If we allow fear, if we buy fear, if we feed fear, the storm is in control. But when we rest in peace, when we are still and know that he is God in the midst of our situation, the kingdom of God is in control and the devil is in fear. Your authority over the storm results from, number one, exercising peace over your soul and then releasing that peace over the chaos. And I want to close with an acronym that Roy shared with me months and months and months ago before any of you guys knew that I was in the middle of a battle with cancer. The word chaos is spelled C-H-A-O-S. 
and the acronym that Roy gave me that I, I still got his, the piece of paper he gave me in my Charles Caps book that I've been meditating on for months, and this is it. Christ has another outstanding solution. Chaos doesn't win. Christ wins in my life and in yours. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. So I pray that for you guys. I pray that there is just such a sweet strength in your soul of peace. That whatever the enemy has tried to do, whatever he has intended, we know that he has a deceiver. We know that he's a, you know, a, a liar and a thief and a stealer and he wants to kill. But the truth is that he's a defeated foe. So my prayer is that whenever something is, is ramping up in that negative aspect in your life, that it just completely slingshot you to your God, to your Savior, your Christ, your Jesus, where you have his peace in you to destroy the works of darkness. So, Father, I thank you right now for deepening our revelation of the power of shalom over chaos and that chaos is a thing of the past. It doesn't matter what the life situation is. It doesn't matter what the, the trial or tribulation or season of our life looks like because you are our Tsar of Shalom. You are our King of Peace. And we can walk in that place of peace in the midst of a storm, not to go through the storm, but to overcome it. And we thank you ahead of time for that to be manifest in a new way. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Yay, God. So this was one of the nuggets that I've been living in for the last months, and it's been powerful. Both the sense of peace and well-being in the midst of the storm and also the, the strength, it, it, you know, just like an, almost an edification, build, being built up just by his peace and resting in that place of knowing that what he did is more than enough. Amen.